Welcome to Alley and Passero. This is Alan Alley with Jim Passero and our friend Steve Schlesser. Schlesser. <laughs> a good German name, as we said. And, of course, like we say at the top of every show, pretty much, nothing new happened in the news this week. There's nothing interesting in politics going on. We had to dig really hard to come up with topics. Our friend Jim Passero, is, Passero, is that how you say it? Is back with us now. And uh, Jim, just kind of kick us off. What do you? What do you? What have you been paying attention to over the last week? And what what kind of are your observations? And then we'll take it from there. We want to talk about certainly about what's been going on in the Capitol and COVID and vaccine rollout and that sort of thing. But what's top of mind for you? Oh, big question. Um, I mean, there's this. You know, I I, I have um, I have a job as a running. Um, a big political action committee, which mission is to elect Republicans in Oregon. Wow. And, uh, yes, and we've had some success uh, in 2018 with the Kevin Barton beating the George Soros candidate for Washington County DA. Yeah. That was a big race. We won it by 40 points. And Soros had a huge win streak uh, going into that race. And we also uh, were uh, put a lot of uh, interest and money be you know, and financial help behind Christine Grayson when she ran for the state legislature in 2018. She's yep. now the Republican House leader. So we've had some success. Uh, where we didn't have success was losing the governor's office with New Zealand in 2018. We were, you know, real hopeful. And it's, it's what an ironic time we live in because on the one hand, the Trump presidency has ended in the kind of disaster that only MSNBC and CNN could want. And all, you know, and you, and you have to go around to all your liberal friends right now and say all the horrendous things you did to Donald Trump may have had some, uh, you know, some point to it. And, and at the same time that the national thing is ending in, in such a disaster on the state level, I so many people say to me, God, why, why can't Newt Biller be governor right now? You know, her, her, her. Her popularity has got to be, I mean, her approval has got to be Governor Brown in the low 30s. And and people go, you know, if, if Newt Bueller, because I hear, I have a ton of friends who are in their late 70s, early 80s, and they're, and they're healthy, and they've been in their house for a year, and they want the um, vaccine. And they're just, I mean, this is cover Oregon on steroids. And so at the time that, the national thing is so upside down. The local thing is so ridiculous. Well, I think the vaccine is a, a national thing. And, you know, diving in and talking about blame, that, let me let me set it up for you. You know, because you don't blame her completely. <laughs> no, I totally blame her completely. Okay, no, but let me set it up for you. The vaccine, we've had about 300,000 delivered to Oregon, 300,000 vaccines. There are 280,000 people over 75 in the state. The average age of death is 77. Yeah. Half of the people that die are in congregate living centers. You could cut the death rate in half yeah. by vaccinating 75 and over in congregate living centers. Yeah. And it's pretty straightforward. It's simple. You don't have to go hunt for them. Yeah. It isn't like the ones that wear green hats or something yeah. and you have to ferret them out. It's older people in congregate living centers. And then... I put on my aluminum foil hat and I go, why don't they do it? Yeah, why don't they do it? Why don't they do it? Okay. 
if you have the vaccine and you die and you are tested for COVID, you will still test positive if you have an active um, uh, COVID infection. You won't have any symptoms, but you'll still test positive. So this massive death rate that we have, it actually doesn't go down if you test the way we're currently testing. So they've got this thing so freaking messed up, you can't even tell if the vaccine is doing any good. So it's, it's beyond my imagination. And the fact that they won't just lay all this stuff out and just like tell us and say, hey guys, here's the way it works. We got this vaccine, you get the vaccine, you won't have symptoms, you'll still have the virus, right? It'll still be in there. You can still give it to Jim. If Jim doesn't have the vaccine, you can still give it to Jim. You can still give it to Alan. But they don't lay this stuff out because they have massively screwed this thing up. And our death rate is going through the roof. Our death with COVID is going through the roof. The other thing I hear from my friends in that age range, and they're livid about this, is the is the political correctness to this. These the governors having these meetings and meetings and right, meetings no. to do the political <clears throat> correct thing. And people are just find that just they're just livid about it. Well and this is the thing. It it's either a pandemic like World War Two, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's either a war or it's not. Right. And if it's a war and you've got this vaccine and these guys are the ones that are most likely to die from it, you give it to them. Yeah. You don't screw around and go like I'm sorry, teachers getting the vaccine, right? They're not even in school. They're not even exposed to the kids. Right. So so give it to the people that are going to die first, right? And then you can start deciding whether to roll it out. You can keep, look, the kids have been home for a year now. If you keep them home for another two months, is it really going to change anything? No, they, can, they, they all have to start a, a grade behind now. But Basically. You know, basically, yeah. Basically, is there any truth to, the, to this assertion that the federal government uh, has caused problems in the distribution of the vaccine? No, that's what the Democrat governors seem to be saying. That that is what they're saying. But here's the thing: you've got three different companies now ramped up and producing this as fast as they can. This is like B-17s in World War II, right? We went from making one a week to making thirty a day, right? All these companies are wrapped up. If it isn't here now, in two weeks or a month, there is going to be vaccine falling out of the skies. It's going to look like that uh, yeah. that kids book where the, a, all the food fell out of the sky. World what was War, that? World War II, Hitler had 3,000, 10,000 BMW tanks, and we had we had a 3 million kind of mediocre Sherman tanks. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and the new vaccine can be stored at like 43 degrees. It can be stored in a refrigerator. Wow. So the vaccines are coming, but if you just had prioritized the people that are most likely to die, you can cut the death rate in half well, are, in in overnight. One of the things, I mean, the frustration has gotten to the level because of the, of the people that I talk to again in, in that in that age group, and I talk to them a lot. Their they their anger is so much, and they and they sound just like you about. They're so frustrated with it. And so now they want to know motive. And, they, and so the question constantly is, why is, is, there, is there something that Governor Brown, why is, she, why is she doing such a disastrous job? And, and I say to them, I, th- I said, I think she's pretty fear-based. 
Yeah, let's get back to that. We've got to take a break because we're repurposing this for our podcast as well. This is Ali and Sarah with a friend, Steve. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Yeah, Jim, you just brought up, um, you just brought up motive. And mm-hmm. I've, I've thought about this. and A lot of people are thinking about it. And that. it's like, I, I could go to some kind of weird, nefarious motive, mm-hmm. or I could just say, look, they're incompetent. They, they've never run a big organization. They don't know how to do this. You could, if you were governor and you went to Intel mm-hmm. and brought in some of the top process engineers from Intel and said, look, I have to roll out these vaccines. This is how it does. This is what it, you know, get a briefing. They'd go, okay, spreadsheet, 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 PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. Here's your list. This is the, here's the curve of how you're going to protect people. Roll this out, follow this plan. And it would take an afternoon. And that's, I mean, we do it all the time. Boeing does it. Intel does it. Microsoft, all big corporations know how to do this. This is what I tell them, and I could be wrong, and, but but it's 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 like uh, there's the person you know in leadership when the game's on the line. There's the person who's called for the shot, and then there's the person who says, "Please don't pass me the basketball with the game on the line. I don't yeah. want I don't want to get fouled and go to the free throw." But, right. Yeah. And I think that's the governor. I think she is so. When something like this comes up, she just. She just, so, there's, there's a combination. There's the political correctness stuff, which is maddening. And then there's the fear-based, I'm going to make a mistake and screw up again. Well, and you you did have to do this towing the line of the political narrative, mm-hmm. right? It's Donald Trump's fault. It's Donald Trump's virus. Um, it, Donald Trump created this problem. It, you know, you have to, so you're trying to solve the problem at the same time of maintaining a narrative. And and this is where I, I think many people, Republicans and Democrats, are frustrated. It's like, look, I don't care about the narrative. I just want this thing to go away. I want to get back to work. Yeah. I, I I mean, what are you hearing? Steve? No, I, I, it's curious to me that they would have so much concern, both politicians and the media, about following this anti-Trump narrative, even though he was defeated in the national election. I, I, it mystifies me while, while that they're persisting in looking at this from that viewpoint. And I think it's detrimental both to the state and the country. Yeah, I think it, this is where the, the politics get wrapped up in, in all of this. And the politics of, we were, we've been alluding to it, of different underrepresented minority groups getting it because they've been disproportionately affected, you know, all this stuff. It's like, no, look, you know, the Germans crossed the Maginot line. How are we going to stop them? You know, we're not going to worry about environmental impact statements on little critters and trees. We're going to stop the freaking Germans. And that's what that's what drives you crazy about this. And my position has been, look, either it's a pandemic 
or it's not. And your behavior says it's not really a pandemic. And it's like, did you lie to me? Did you, did, is it really not a pandemic? I, I, look, I think it is. I think this is a very bad disease and it's killing people and we've got to fix it. But the behavior doesn't reflect that. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, do you feel, obviously, that there's serious incompetence here, number one? Agreed? Yes. Secondly, do you, would you feel more comfortable that if a Republican was in charge of this state, there would be less incompetence? Agreed? Not necessarily. Oh, okay. No. I, I mean, it, it depends upon who it is, really. Right. And it's got to be somebody that says, I'm not going to worry about the political side of this. I'm not going to worry about whether I'm going to get elected. I'm not going to worry about Trump supporters crucifying me or liberal downtown Democrats crucifying me. I'm going to, I'm going to sit down. We're going to go through this. I'm going to get some people that know how to solve complex, multivariable problems. And we're just going to roll out well, the solution. Well, let me, before you, because you could get a Republican that's a very political Republican that's trying to pin the tail on donkey as well. Okay, let me ask the third question. Um, given that Kate Brown obviously is botching this, what I think what frustrates me is that the voters in this state, principally the three, these three close counties, will continue to vote the Democrat ticket in again and again and again, regardless of performance, regardless of merit. So I will tell you, if Newt Bueller was governor, fixed. Right. 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 Because because. Newt's a science. He's he's grounded in science. He gets it. He's shown that he can operate in a bipartisan, non-politically influenced way. He'd have people around him um, that could consult with him. I think he he would have done a better job. I, I think saying that that they're you know that they're blaming it on the Trump narrative is is, is 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 a little bit missing what's got people so angry. Is is that what they did? And it's just like. It's like, oh my God, is this the way the Biden administration, the Biden-Harris administration is going to roll out? Because what they did was basically we have this pandemic and then we have this vaccine and they, and they were, you know, we're having this war effort and then they move over and merge it with the white privilege defund the police argument. And okay, you gotta, you missed me. I, I lost you on that one. What, what is it? Okay, so it's not quite the Trump narrative that's got people, I think, on our side, or, or just rational people so upset. Is that we have this, this worldwide pandemic, this vaccine, you know, this once in a century crisis, we're at war, and then we have a vaccine at warp speed. Right. And so now, and so now we're ready to move, and, and, and they take this, what should be a nonpartisan problem, and they merge it into the solution of the white privilege, uh, defund the police, therefore the minorities get, get, have to get it because we were so racist that somehow the vaccine, the, the pandemic was, we caused it to be harder on the minorities than it would be. And therefore we've got to, you know, use the defund the police mentality as, a, as who gets the vaccine first, rather than the common sense is we know that this vaccine, you know, hits older people. And, 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 and what people think then is, oh, my God, is this the way the Biden-Harris administration is going to play well, out for I, the next few years? I mean, I'm frankly, I'm is like, that right? No, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm like a carp with my mouth opening and closing and no words coming out. I'm just laying there on the dock. What? Right. What, is that my right? Yes, because it's like, guys, this is a pandemic. 
there are each day in Oregon now, there's about 40 people dying. This is up from two or three per day right. at the height right. of this, right? right? There are now 40 people dying with COVID every day in Oregon. Over half of them are in congregate care centers, and the age has been creeping up. It's crept up from an average of 77. I would guess just from the data over the last three, four weeks, it's probably closer to 80 or 82 right now. You could really target it. You could you know you really who's dying, yes. right? This isn't a mystery. Right. The teachers aren't dying. No. The people working at Walmart aren't dying. But what we, I'm not dying. But Jimmy's hear, not dying. But what we hear from our leaders is the first thing we need to worry about is white privilege. No. It's silly. Does the legislature have any influence at all on trying to get this done? Or well, you have to take responsibility. Right. And that's just it. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to whine about it. But I'm not going to take responsibility exactly. for it, right? Right. I'm going to whine. No responsibility, and it's a democratic legislature. What they, Kate's got the turd. Yeah. You know, you've put the turd in Kate's pocket. She has to deal with it. Right. When we come back, um, I want to. I want to tell something good. Okay. Good. Let's take a break now. This is Ali and Pacero, uh live on Facebook, and then our podcast will be following up in a couple of hours after we go off. And join us after the break. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Well, Steve said, that. "Welcome back to Ali and Pissero. <laughs> Jim's taking over the show after being gone for five weeks. Welcome back, Jim. Thank you. And you wanted to kick something over to Steve. Well, Steve said that uh, you know the reason that the that everything's so screwed up is because the three large counties always vote Democratic: Clackamas, uh, Multnomah, and the Washington. And in fact, Clackamas County did vote fifty-four to forty-three for Biden, even though George W. had carried it yeah. uh, before. Uh, but." What's interesting when you say that is that Clackamas County had two major upsets on the board uh, in 2020, and that Tootie Smith won the uh, chairmanship of the county, and that Mark Scholl beat, uh, I think, Ken Holbertson for a Clackamas County commissioner. Uh, so even though these are nonpartisan races, everybody knew that the Republicans and Democrats. And so, so, so for the we've been waiting for a decade for one of the major counties to actually be controlled by Republicans, and it finally happens, uh, three Republicans, Paul Savitz, Tootie Smith, and Mark Scholl, out of this board of five. And so as soon as the three Republicans uh, get uh, elected, uh, Mark Scholl, who served in the military, uh, oh, right. yeah, makes a bunch of comments about uh, the Islamic uh, people and his feelings about uh, being at war with them. And they're not all of the comments are politically correct. And all hell breaks loose this week. And, and everybody, every, all the bureaucrats get together at Clackamas County and call for the resignation of an elected commissioner who hasn't even been sworn in yet. And, and, and so you're sitting there as a Republican and you're like, I mean, if this is just like, whoa, where, where does this come from? You know, we, you know, I mean, maybe Mark Schultz would be spanked. Maybe he shouldn't say 
things that are kind of, you know, inflammatory or stupid. But the idea that all the bureaucrats in the county call for his resignation. He should be impeached. He should be impeached. <laughs> he should be impeached and removed from office. Well, then Tootie Smith, the head, the head Republican who just went to county, writes a one-sentence letter, note in the Oregonian saying he has to resign. Oh, Tootie said he has yes, to resign? Yes, Tootie, Tootie called for his resignation. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yes, and so, and so uh, you know, we... I, I don't know what to say. We just about the time when we get a Republican county, we don't apparently don't want. We throw it back. I guess that's what it was. It was a fish that wasn't wasn't big enough. No, we didn't. only four hundred forty thousand people. No, we didn't throw it back. Yeah, the Democrats ripped it out of our hands and, and took it. Took it back, and then we didn't we didn't fight for it. No, we we just let Tootie and and the gang just let let him. Now Mark Shaw hasn't resigned yet, and and he but had Tootie called for his resignation. Yes, she did. Really? Yes, she did. This is the same Tootie that had the Christmas party and invited all of her friends and, over to... And spent a week on Fox, Fox News yeah, and right. Carlson and everything else. Yeah. She called for his resignation. Steve, do you well, live in Clackness? Uh, no, I'm, I'm living in Raleigh Hill. So oh, okay. Yeah. Business Washington County. Yeah. I, do business, I do business in Clackness. Yes. But your point is well taken. And when I originally raised the issue about the three counties, I just am wondering when is the scale going to tip so that we can actually have a two-party system in this state. Do you think a Republican commissioner, Mark Scholl, um, uh, you, you probably have not read his comments. No, I have not. Have you read his comments? No, I just heard that he made them. What, yeah. what were they? Do you, well, know? they you know, comments about the, you know, the, 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 the squad and comments about Islam and, you know. I'll look them up. Basically, Go ahead. pretty Go hardcore on. comments about, about, you know, the kind of comments that we say after or maybe a half a Pendleton, when there's a, some sort of terrorist bombing that goes on in the world, and we are when we're at war with the Islamic brand, you know, we we can uh, you know make some pretty strong comments. Right. But again, the Democrats had decided long ago that we weren't really at war in after nine eleven, and that Republicans used it to kind of uh, gin up patriotism. And, and so therefore, but you, this Mark Shaw has been in the military serving, fighting this war. He said, he's had friends who were beheaded. And so, you know, for a guy running for local office to be, to be watching Fox News and, and writing national, com international comments is not probably the smartest thing to do. So here's one of his comments. When you interact with a Muslim, you're being deceived, period, end of sentence. Okay, now. But he's entitled to his opinion, right? I mean, one of the things that we want to discuss here is free expression, mm -hmm. the, whether it's blocked, whether it's open. I think it's part of our theme today. Right. So he, he should be entitled to express himself as long as he doesn't cross a certain line. That comment, I don't, I don't think is overly objectionable. And remember <laughs> all the nasty and horrible things that the left has said about law enforcement? Yeah. And not a... Not yeah. a <laughs> you must resign. So then Scholl came back and, and, and he created a statement. He said, I respect the freedom of religion that extends to members of the Islamic community as well as to all religious beliefs. I will work towards increasing understanding and cooperation amongst all new immigrants to our nation and our country. I welcome every member of the Islamist community, on and on and on. Right. Yeah. And, and, and do you, can you read a couple more of his comments? So we do Some today? of the bad ones? Yeah, we just get a flavor of what, of what Tootie Smith uh, was dealing with before she called for his resignation. I'm, 
I can't find them. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're on the Oregonian. That's what I'm on yeah. right now. Let me, let me keep okay. going. I mean, I'll see if I can find them. Well, because, um, I mean, one of the things that, one, he shouldn't resign. And even though all the bureaucrats have called for his resignation, because I just love that, that the bureaucrats at the county, you know, and then, and then the, uh, the, the, the other commissioners are like, oh, well, if all the bureaucrats called for the resignation, then of course he should resign. <laughs> but, but the, um, the thing was that on, on the March, where I think he was clumsy was that, you know, they have large Arab American populations in Minneapolis and in Detroit. Well, we don't have a large Arab American po- uh, population. And because on his Facebook page, and these comments have been up for about a year and a half, because on his Facebook page, and he's been involved in the war on terror, he's thinking that way, but he's running for local office. Right. You know, and, and it didn't come up in the campaign because he pulled up an, an upset win, and people didn't think he was going to win. But, but running in this state, these counties, you have to be super careful. Mm-hmm. You have to err on the side of careful. Right. So, so here comes this atmosphere where, you know, Donald Trump uh, didn't have a great month so far. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. But it's like, so what, you know, so, so Trump goes out, you know, makes a few comments, mob goes up to the Capitol, few, few, few people die. And so then all of a sudden somebody like Mark Show gets in this, this problem, right? And, and everybody's like, oh, well, you've got to resign because we, you know, just like uh, there's another local official, uh, uh, Nierman, Mike Nierman. Oh, right, okay, right, right. So Mike Nierman is state rep. And I love Mike Nierman, right? right. He's, I'm involved in the Freedom Foundation. He's involved in the Freedom Foundation. You know, super smart guy. You know, in, you know, he, I think he's an engineer, uh, software engineer. Something like you that. You know, so he's actually got a real profession in the legislature, which is a nice thing. And he, um, what, December 16th or 17th, they closed the session because of COVID. People were upset. He walks out the door and opens it up and a bunch of people, and he leaves and a bunch of people come in. Right. He, he looks like he's just leaving, but when you, apparently he did it on principle that the, con- con- Oh, did he say that? Has he commented on that? Well, I'm, uh, uh, okay, wait. I don't, no, I mean, <laughs> Let's take a break here. Let's take a break. Let's take a break, and we'll come back, and Jim will give us more of the inside scoop. This is Ali and Pacero with their friend Steve. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero with their friend Steve. Joining us this Sunday morning, we're live on Facebook, and we'll be publishing the podcast about uh, two or three hours from now. Jimmy, so Nearman, so Mike Nearman, who is. Uh, you know, software engineer, state legislator, uh, you know, constitutionalist, uh, you know, very conservative, good guy, Freedom Foundation work, uh, consultant. He, um, he opens the door, uh, he disagrees with the, uh, no public allowed in a session that they closed because of COVID. So he opens the door and people come in. And as soon as they, and he leaves, and then about five seconds later, about 10 come in and then the cops come and rush mm-hmm. and throw them out. So now they want to, um, you know, they want to throw Mike Nierman out of the legislature. So Tina Kotek takes him and, and on the floor and just spanks the hell out of him. This, did you hear that? No, I didn't. Oh boy. He had to, he had to do Mia Copas on the floor. You know, I know I won't be on a committee and I, blah, 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 you know, you know, the kind of thing that Tina, and, and now they still want, you know, they're still urging that he, Resign from the legislature, and he's not going to. So, he, is he no committee assignments at all? I think that's the deal so far. Wow. But yeah, it's like it's like you know, you you, you basically take the person's. <clears throat> now he's very popular in his district, but 
it's like, okay, so this is, uh, you know, when does this end? This sort of this, the, you know, the, the, this sort of mob. And this goes back to the comments about Mark Show, because that was, that, that issue was this week. And, and Nierman was this week too, but Show's the one that got all the attention in the metro area. So read some of the comments. So, uh, some of Mark's comments, um, the doctrine of Islam permeates the brain in a negative way. I visited Sometimes the mall. I believe that. I visited the Mall of America with my mom last year. It was like walking into the Mall of Islam. I think we're the only two non-Muslims that day. Never got a smile that day from any Muslims. It was a horrifying experience. Yeah. Not a friendly place in a crowd of Akbars. Now, now that may be true. Uh, October 13th, 2019. Obama is a Muslim. Yeah, well, Obama isn't a Muslim. I mean, he grew up in a Muslim land, but I don't think he's religious. He had a Muslim father. So, yes, he did. Yeah. Right. And uh, look, I had a Muslim grandfather. Right. And I know that makes me view um, Muslims in a different way. Right. Granddad was a Muslim. So are, Granddad was a or, is your, is your, are you part Lebanese? Mm -hmm. So are okay. you offended yeah. by it? So that, does this bother you what he's saying? I mean, no, but I'm not. Look. I, I am part of the people can mob. have people can have their own opinions. I'd like to sit down with Mark and have a discussion with him about this because I clearly have a different view right. than than he does. Mm -hmm. um, language more. borders, culture, protect them or lose them. Well, that's about all about building a wall. Immigrants with tuberculosis and polio are welcome, but you better be able to prove your dog is vaccinated. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay. BLM is not about Black Lives Mattering or any other life mattering. BLM is a pawn for the rise of neo-Marxism. Now, he's only being hit on his Muslim colleague. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Right, well, so, so when he demeans other people. <laughs> it's fine. No, but, you know, that one is, is one where um, I made that donation to yeah. Black right. Lives Matter right. and traced it through the process. And, you know... It's, it doesn't go to some some nice organization uh, that is Black Lives Matter. It goes into the Democratic so, swill. So Tootie has called these comments hateful and he has to resign. Have you gotten to anything yet quite that, that's uh, – are you leaving the table here? No, no, no. My computer is telling me it's going to die, and if it dies, then we die. Our broadcast dies. And then, so then, I have then, to, then I have the jihadists to, get us, and we have to. And we have, we to, have to take a moment. Yes. Another technical difficulty. Okay. We have to take a moment to plug it in, and we will be okay. Okay. So Good. read some more comments about the about the specific thing that 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 because there's a ton of pressure on the media. Islam is Islam. Islam is ISIS. Just as every ayatollah and imam say. There's no such thing as radical Islam. There's only Islam, and Islam is radical. What do you think? Not justify. It doesn't justify getting rid of them. And also, right. I need to ask both of you: Why does the left not want to have robust debate? Why did? Why, when you have a dissenting voice, the first thing is cut them off right. from Twitter, force them to resign. See, I think his error is to me his error is. He's running for a local office, right? Why is he, why is he talking about international stuff on his Facebook page and national stuff? Just, I mean, I get he was in the military and he fought the war, but that's the part. That's where he's clumsy, right? Yeah. And it's not that long ago. It's yeah. 2019. Uh -huh. The Islam comments are 2019, 2020. Um, here's one from January 2020. Their Muslims intent is takeover. Why is America complacent? 
Uh, is it due to ignorance, cowardice, or delusion? Well, I, I, I mean, this is not stuff that you'd write if you're running for, for office. For local office. Right? Yeah. But it's if, if anybody's on Facebook, <laughs> this is like super mild <laughs> compared to most of the stuff that that you get on Facebook from the left or from the right. So are you surprised that so are you surprised then that I mean we were surprised that Judy Caulfield resignation. Yes. I mean he apologized and he wrote a very nice uh, you know, I shouldn't have done this. I'm open to the change. He, yeah. he wrote all that stuff. And we have a way of regulating this. Right. If this behavior is a behavior that his constituents do not want to support, they will vote him out of office. Well, the worry is that he's going to be, you know, you can't be recalled for six months. But the worry is that he's going to be recalled. And, 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 and I think that the, the, there's recall threats against Tootie over the Fox, over the Thanksgiving stuff. Which, right. So the worry is that his recall is going to run off, what, rush up, rub off on my recall. And then, and well, it's the, it's the new America. You know, we impeach Donald Trump. We yeah. try to recall Kate Brown. Yeah. Right. Twice. 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 Um, and that, and that leader of our party, Bill Courier, is running again for chair next month. It's, it has become the new normal. Mm -hmm. And it's a, and I don't, I've always said, look, I'm not uh, a fan of term limits. We have term limits. It's called an election. Right. And that's sort of the way that I, that I roll yeah. is that once you're elected, you are elected for your term. <laughs> If your transgression rises to the level of removal, it's really hard to remove somebody, as we saw with Donald Trump's impeachment. He was impeached, not convicted by the Senate. Uh, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is now public record. He runs again. He has to run on this record. Well, there's a there's a pattern in the Northwest that's disturbing, um, which is this is probably not the right time to bring it up because of what's going on with, nationally. But in the Northwest, which has become so dominated by the blues uh, in the last 20 years, every time the Republicans sneak a victory through, like when Bill Sizemore did those seven ballot measures yeah, right. in 2000 and, yeah. he got, and he got the one through on the land use, well, then the governor <laughs> was supposed to, to, to defend that, that, you know, that ballot measure because he was supposed to represent the state, uh, the state of Oregon. Instead, the governor went and worked, sought some judges, and they had a big meeting about how to get rid of it, and they did. Yeah. So it was completely illegal, and, and Kit Cyber, that's why he should have had to resign, not because of the girlfriend thing. But but right. then, Dino Rossi, I mean, we live in the only area. We, oh, yeah. we, we've lost 10 gubernatorial elections in a row. Washington State's lost 9 or 10. But, but we live, we have had the only election, Dino Rossi in 2000, uh, I think it was 2000. It might have been 2004. I think it was 2000. Uh, he actually won the vote count twice. Twice. And, and, and then <laughs> yeah. didn't get to be They governor. just kept recounting and, until they came up with yeah. the number they liked. And can you imagine on our side, if the Democrats won an election, a vote count twice, that we would, oh, have, that know. We would win, you know, know, on the third one? Oh, they oh. found some ballots in Umatilla County in a closet and, and we win. We've got to take, take a break and come back. I do want us to address what everybody's talking about online and what you see on the news every day, the demise of the Republican Party, the divide, the divide in the Republican Party. Is it ever going to recover? Are Republicans dead? Is it now Donald Trump's party? We, we've got to address that. We've we'll tried to avoid it. I know we tried to avoid it. You know, <laughs> holding the we'll, basketball we'll see, we'll four see, corners. Come we'll on. see if anybody comes back and and uh, and wants to watch, listen to the second hour. This is Ali and Sarah with Steve. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Alley and Pacero with Steve and... We got to talk about the Republican. Yeah, Party. can I? I just want to finish that one. Point. No, you don't. We're done with that. We got to. We've got to move on to this. Okay. We really do. Because look, yes. you. For example, yes. you haven't been on for five weeks. Yeah, well, there's a reason for that. And the reason is there's not much good to say about Republicans. There right you now. go, okay. and that's why we need to talk about it. Okay. So, I I, I said last week or the week before, I've struggled with this because I still have Mitt Romney's bumper sticker on my car, right? And I got to rhino, know... Rhino, Rhino. Right. I got to know Mitt Romney. I really like him. He's no. the kind of CEO I'd want to work for. I like Mitt for. Romney, too. Okay. I don't appreciate everything that he's done, but I do. I do. Mitt Romney's the kind of guy that I would like to work for. That was a good speech he gave the, the, the night of January 6th on the Senate so floor. Here's, here's the deal, though is that I just drove from Utah to or to Portland. Mm-hmm. And when you drive through Utah and all of Eastern Oregon, you're pretty much 80, 20 Trump supporters. And the people that you meet and the people that you interact with. And, you know, I did that walk across Oregon years ago. And I spent hours and hours and hours with people. And this is where I came to the conclusion that I'm... I'm a Trump supporter supporter. I I do not like what Donald Trump does. I can't stand the way he talks. He drives me crazy. But he speaks for people mm-hmm. that haven't had somebody really right. speak for them. Right. And it's amazing that a billionaire can be the guy that did this, that that pulled this off. And when I meet the when I meet people in rural Oregon and the laws that we've passed and the gerrymandering that we've done and, you know, things like urban growth boundaries in cities in eastern Oregon, driving up property values to the point where you can't buy houses when you have zillions of acres all around you. It, it There's so many things, um, minimum wage requirements in, in rural counties. And yeah, they created a little differential, but it completely upends the economy there. And then you realize how many people from Portland have actually been to Baker City? Uh, you know, a fraction, a a, a, a minuscule number, right? right? A, a fraction. Okay. Yet the decisions all right, all right, that right. they make dramatically affect okay, those people. Okay, so let's let's get into it a little bit. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, what Donald Trump did on January sixth was unforgivable. So, you know, I don't know what the punishment's going to be. Well, that's let, an assumption. That's an assumption. Huh? No, I, I wanted you to actually flesh out gonna, precisely I'm, I'm, I'm what gonna, he did. Because right. I'm oh, still okay. mystified well, by well, it. Well, well you, you can, you can, um, well, that's not Go the ahead, point. Jason, that's not the point I want to make. Um, so, um, you, 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 you can do your segment. The point I want to make is, is, um, the, um, the, the Trump, um, you know, the 
the deed is 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 unforgivable. But but the movement is important, and 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 the problem with the Trump presidency was that the guy who makes the three point shots may not be your leading rebounder, and in an, and in the chief executive, you need you needed both as president, a two term president. He was a bomb. You know, this guy is a bomb thrower. He's a revolutionary, a bomb thrower. Now, now Ronald Reagan was a, a revolutionary, a bomb thrower. And people thought in the late 70s, you know, he's too radical to be president. He'll never beat Jimmy Carter. Well, Ronald Reagan turned out to be a very good CEO, a very good manager. Donald Trump couldn't manage a thing. And all he knows how to do is, as you said, is blow things up. Right. And he And he instinctively knew how to blow up a lot of things that needed to be blown up. But he never had a public board. He'd never, never been accountable to criticism and couldn't manage any, anybody. And everybody who worked with him eventually, including Mike Pence, got diminished. Anybody on his, uh, in his cabinet. So you're sitting there looking at this guy who can't manage anything. And, 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 and so how does that, how does that, in the, in, how does that, you know, in, in his governing style, when he got criticism, when, if you were the head of a public board and you got criticism for your board members, and if you're running a public company, you can criticize your board members. You have to go back and think, hey, I'm really in trouble here. You get your, your staff around you and you go, the board's really unhappy. They've got this point, this point, this point. We have to answer it. Donald Trump would always come back with, you're just a punk or you're just an idiot or you got small hands. He never came back. He never came back when he got hit with legitimate criticism and said, you know, I hear your criticism. You're saying this, this, and this, and I'm going to counter you with this, this, and this, which Ronald Reagan did all the time. And so at the end of the at the end of that moment in his presidency, when he had to choose between, you know, transitioning or just lighting the whole damn thing on fire, he chose to light the whole damn thing on fire, and that and that's wrong. Steve, no, I I I agree fundamentally with all that you said. I I was concerned about what precisely was the narrow when you look at the narrow details of what he said in the speech prior to the Capitol march. I'm trying to still figure out the precise language that he used to incite the crowd towards an insurrection. That's what the media is calling it. Because I believe that he, he said, march peacefully to the Capitol. I believe he used the word peacefully. He also said, go up there and be strong. No, that's what he, he did say that. And then he says, so he gave a prepared remarks and then he says, and they stole the election from us. And that was the thing. That was the thing. It's like, march peacefully, march to the Capitol, show them your strength. And they stole the election from us. And it's a fraud. And, and that was the part that that you pin on him. He never said, storm the Capitol and go hang Mike Pence. Right. right. He never said that. It was it was the way that he said it, that they're that they're getting him on. And. At that point in time, he should have just stopped. He said all the right words, and then if he would have stopped, short of saying, and they stole the election from us, it would have been fine. But the other thing is, it's remarkable to me. First of all, I do not agree with what he did. I do not agree with what he said. You shouldn't have incited it. And if you look at some of the videos that he's posted afterwards, he'll say it, which are now hard to find, right? 
he does say a supporter of mine would never march on the Capitol. A supporter of mine would never cross a policeman. A supporter of mine would never be violent. But those are not videos that are broadly disseminated anymore because he's been picked up with Facebook and Twitter. Um, but Jim, to your point, he, I've said he was elected to just blow stuff yes. up. And people that looked to him to have, to be a Ronald Reagan, he wasn't Ronald Reagan, right? right? He's right. just blowing stuff up. Right. And the demolition man. And to the people that are, that, that I meet and travel through in Eastern Oregon yeah. and in Idaho and in Utah, as far as they're concerned, blow it all up. I, I don't get any positive, well, nothing good happens from my government. But, and, and that's where they are. Okay, so here's the, the downside. The downside of, of what you're saying is what we're seeing now is the rest, you know, in the restoration of the Bourbons, you know, to the to the throne in, in France, uh, this is, you know, the Democrats are acting like everything that transpired, we told you so, told you so, told you so, and now we have to go back to, to doubling down right. on institutional elitism arrogance. So that is the, the nightmare of what's happened. And that's right. why Republicans are so frustrated and angry and depressed. The upside is that we have a lot of talent in this party. And I've wanted to hear for a long time other voices in our party besides Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump, even if his instincts on issues are good, he's not philosophical or articulate. And so he cannot build a movement, a broader movement than the cult of personalities, kind of like Avita that way. And so therefore, we don't get to hear, and he, and, and, and because of the way he is, as he seems taking notes of it, we don't get to hear the other voices in the party. And I, I can think of a half dozen voices in the party that I would, I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to handle this new populist Republican movement and how they're going to try to prevent a civil war. We've got to take a break. We're going to come back. And Jim's going to tell us how we prevent a civil war, which is hard to imagine that we're even saying those words. But that is where we are. Where we are. Yeah. Uh, this is Ali and Pacero with Defense Steve. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Ali and Sarah with our guest, Steve Slesher. Slesher. Yeah. I'm sorry they've avoided saying your last name, Steve. Slesher's not that difficult. It is to me. Steve, do you mind if I interrupt? No, go ahead. Steve, why don't you walk our listeners through your background and how you became such an avid Trump supporter before you talk about the future. Okay, no problem. Um, background, uh, born and raised in Portland, fifth generation Portlander, Lincoln High School, 76. I went to Claremont McKenna College, studied a year in Europe. I was a newspaper reporter in Milton Freewater, Oregon for a year. Uh, I went to Vermont, law, graduated from Vermont Law School. Your great-grandmother was Oregon golf champion, uh, 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 yes. Oregon amateur golf champion. You were once an elite, and now you're a deplorable. Right. I, my great-grandmother was Berta Curler, uh, Bertha, the Bertha Beaverton Highway is named after her. Your mother was a friend of Tom McCall's wife. My, How did you get from elite to deplorable? Uh, part, part of that arose from the crash in 2008 when I 
essentially lost the family business. Um, and at and the, the family time, business was, it was. We were pre-finishing moldings for the manufactured housing industry. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I had so, I guess you would call it a five-headed hydra that I was fighting, uh, partly with the DEQ over the emission of solvents, partly a lawsuit that lasted 10 years uh, where I was fighting the Oregon Trialers Association and ultimately lost a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, for the political correct lawsuits. Okay. One, one of your managers said that used an used a, uh, incorrect political term against one of your employees. One of my, yeah, one of my black employees said, you know, we have we have a tray of watermelons over here for you at a Christmas party. So I got sued for $75,000. But notwithstanding that, I think the thing that caused me to become an avid Trump supporter was when I lost my business in 2008, partly from these bad mortgages and so forth that arose from the banking industry, the TARP bailout, I think, was the thing that yeah. really got me. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you, if I could summarize it, the TARP thing sent me from a sophisticated, well-educated, refined <laughs> member of various clubs to virtually one step away from being homeless and very angry. Yeah. So that, I think, in a nutshell, uh, describes my journey to being a Trump supporter. Why did Trump speak to you? I love you showed up at a dinner with the uh, with our our dinner group, our elite refined dinner group, and you and in 2015 or the summer of 2015, you had a mega hat and shocked the shocked the dinner group. Correct. Well, he spoke to me because I loved the language he used. It was so refreshing. For example, I'll give you a concrete example. When he was running against Cruz, when Cruz was the final candidate against him, Cruz was criticizing the New York mentality. And Trump was speaking to a group on Long Island, and he goes, can you believe what he says about us? Like, we're no good. He didn't say, oh, Ted Cruz is mischaracterizing our language and our and our idiom. He says, like, we're no good. I wanted to have a politician that was sitting at the bar with me having a beer. Right. Yeah. So that gives you a pretty good summary. And, no. and, and, and his presidency? Uh, I, I've been disappointed. I've been disappointed that well, he been, didn't pivot. That right. he didn't pivot. Mm -hmm. It was something that we discussed right from the get go. Instead of using all the momentum that he had when he was elected, he talked about the size of the inauguration. Mm -hmm. the, the, and there was example after example after example. He just couldn't pivot it. He was. He had to invade Russia. Mm -hmm. It was just his personality. Was such that he couldn't pivot. You mean the way Hitler? Hitler oh no! I mean, yeah, is that, that's what you're saying. I mean, he had to do the extra war. Is right. what you're trying to say? Correct. Yeah. It was very disappointing, and it's very disappointing how this has all ended up for me as a Trump supporter through and through. What, what, what and so the future of the party and the future of his populist movement? I actually have a lot of optimism about the Republican Party and where where our future lies. And Why? it's not because the Democrat, their policy, the Democratic policies are so bad and people will recognize it. They just don't do anything. They don't get anything done. Uh, and if they do try to do something, it's usually bad. Yeah, because of your childhood, you're friends with a lot of the silk stocking set in Portland. Correct. And, 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 and so you walk with them in the, in the, in, you know, right. in, in the morning. Correct. At CEOs and other people. A lot of, yeah. How do they feel about Trump? None of them like Trump. Uh, and that a lot of them are weary of Trump. But the problem with the silk stocking Republicans and the people that have been, quote unquote, in the know, the landowners, the business owners, is 
they're complicit in in the status quo. Yeah. I mean, there are certain people that are a lot of landowners in Portland, but they're pretty late coming to the table in terms of complaining about what's happening to our city. As Alan, I think, has said, uh, naked bicycle race, keep Portland weird. <laughs> I mean, all that that he had mentioned earlier on previous shows, it's all 100% true. That was the time to actually take some action. Uh, and now we're, we're, you know, we're faced with a city that looks a lot like Beirut. You know, it's amazing to me. So I, I look at social media and my Democratic friends on social media post that they're wine tasting, that they're going to the, you know, the, the, the Japanese garden, that they're doing all these sort of Portland things. They're going to the food cars, they're doing this, they're doing that. And you drive through and meet the people in Eastern Oregon and Idaho and Utah. and not only is it an anathema that, that, that they can't understand it, but it's really repulsive that that you're living in the crystal palace on the hill and you're doing wine tasting and you're you're enforcing laws about, you know, global warming and all this stuff and renewable energy. And I have your freaking windmill in my backyard. And oh, by the way, I didn't ask for it. But now you're paying me so much money, I have to put it up. I'm a prostitute, right? I can't sell, I can't, I can't run my life the way I want to run it. I have to take some handout from you to, to desecrate my landscape and put up these windmills. And the, it's so maddening. And, and they keep posting this stuff on social media and as if it's just, oh, this is, this is this wonderful life. And, all I want people to do is understand that these are valid opinions that people have. Guys like Steve have very valid opinions for supporting a person like Donald Trump that has said stuff that I can't even repeat, mm -hmm. right? That is so socially unacceptable. But, but good guys like Steve support him because he's the only guy that would speak to them. It's, and I, I, I want to scream at my liberal friends to just stop and listen and, and listen to a guy like Steve and listen to his experiences and, and be part of, of trying to come up with policies that embrace what you need out of life, that embrace what you need and embrace what these downtown Portland's people want. But it's, it's kind of beyond my imagination. The whole thing is beyond my imagination. And with that, We've got to take a break, and we're going to come right back. This is Ali and Pacero with Steve. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero. This is our last segment. We're going to loop back to Donald Trump, the impeachment trial, how Republicans voted, and in news near us, Jamie Herrera Butler, Republican from Vancouver, and Dan Newhouse, Republican from Yakima. Uh, voted to support impeachment. They were among 10 Republicans who joined 222 Democrats in calling for the president's removal from office. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I am so cynical about this stuff now that uh, I, I don't know. I know Jamie Herrera Butler. She's in a very tough swing district. I thought she gave a wonderful speech mm -hmm. on the floor at 
three and two o'clock in the morning our time about why uh, she voted to not challenge the results from Pennsylvania. Mm. And, and so I listened to this and Republicans are spouting off and Democrats are spouting off. They're yelling and screaming at each other. And she stands up and says, look, Pennsylvania had some questionable things that they did. Right. There's all kinds of stuff that they did. They sent out ballots. They didn't uh, sequester ballots. They counted ballots. They, they, they did all this stuff. But you've pointed out, you guys have pointed out that the legislature of the state has the ultimate authority to decide was this valid or not valid election. The Pennsylvania legislature are Republicans and they are silent on this. So the Republican Pennsylvania legislature didn't challenge it. They could have. They let them submit the results. I, I'm not going to try to overturn the Pennsylvania legislature. I don't know more than they knew. In 2018, after the 2018 election, Jamie Herrera Butler had the only congressional district uh, represented by a Republican that touched the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And there's like about 40 of them. Right. And so, you know, and she beat Carolyn Long twice. Um, but the thing about the election, and this is this is from God speaking to you. But the, th the thing about the election as a downtown Portland, Portland know-it-all, know here's what happened in the election. The pandemic comes and all of a sudden everybody gets we're going to write new rules and everybody's allowed to write new rules. Right. So and, and Donald Trump knew President Trump knew this wasn't going to be good for Republicans, but he didn't his reaction was to just be angry about it and to scare and warn people about it and to say it was going to be illegitimate. Kevin McCarthy went to him and Kevin McCarthy is no rhino, right? We can all admit that. Right. He begged him in, in sometime in mid-September for four hours to get off being against absentee voting and all quit discouraging people because your constituents are older and they're scared of the pandemic. And if you do that, you know, the Democrats are out there just writing up new, new right. release. Everybody's getting a new mortgage, you know, right. free, every, you know, you, you get a, you it's get, like Oprah. You get a ballot. You get a ballot. Exactly. You get a ballot. We all get ballots. Exactly. That's what happened. And, 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 and President Trump is like, instead of doing our side doing that, he's just getting angry because he feels what's going to, you know, this isn't going to work out well for him. And it didn't work out well for him. So did we get cheated? Well, we got outplayed. Yes. And out hustled. Yes, far more than we got cheated. Totally. And that's yeah. why uh, President Trump's so angry. Well, well, and his reaction to the anger is to, after the election was just to build and build and build. And what was interesting about, I know a ton of Republicans who supported him and like him. And I'd ask him, did you watch either one of those speeches in Georgia? Cause you, I mean, it was like, I mean, that night before the Senate election, yeah. and he had those two poor candidates there and they, which he barely acknowledged them, yeah. killing, killing their chance, political chances as he's doing it. And the kettle was just, you know, to the point when, when he got off that plane, that new, a New Year's day and new, the New Year's Eve day mm -hmm. in Washington stormed into the White House and that look on his face, I'm going to go, I'm getting Rudy on the phone and we're going to blow this up. I mean, you could just boom. And it's like, Okay, you got we got outplayed in that hustle. Right. No, my, my whole thing was I watch a lot of sports. I love sports, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, New Orleans got robbed, was it last year or two years ago oh, on a pass interference call? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Non-call. Completely robbed. Yeah, the guy got right. pushed to push when the ball was and, Yeah, oh yeah. And, 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 and a lot of people get really upset and scream and yell about that stuff. And my position is, look, if you're in a position where the referees decide a game mm-hmm. on one call, right. you, you it was too close, yeah. right? You yeah. can't. And in this case, I think the Democrats did a much better job of making sure that there were certain adjustments in the rules of the game, yes. right? Yes. Oh, this is an unusual game, yes. very unusual time. Yes. We're going to allow ballots like this. No money gonna, down. You know, right. It's, it's like, <laughs> we're going to make it super, super easy because yeah. of COVID, right? Yeah. And we're going to, and they did that and they did it well, yes. right? Yeah. In a very organized well. And so, but what I want to remind the Democrats, in spite of the fact that you changed rules appropriately, during a COVID that, that you had unbelievable turnout, okay. that it's in the middle of a pandemic, that Donald Trump is not a very uh, warm never, and, and fuzzy guy. And his approval was right? never above 45%. You almost lost this yeah, election. Yeah. Right. It's in, it, do you understand how angry and disenfranchised yeah. and upset basically half the country is? Yeah. And if you double down on your radical left policies, which apparently you are going to do, seems so. It, it you are not going to put yourself in a position to have sustained leadership, right? And I don't think they get that no. at all. No, no, don't get it to this day. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the other the thing the Republicans need to think about though, because we started acting like in the entire twentieth century. The popular vote and the electoral college went the same direction. And it's only, it's only five elections out of 55 presidential elections that the popular vote and the electoral college have gone in different directions. So this happened twice in five, in five, in five last five elections. And, you know, from 1952 to 1988, the Republicans won the popular vote seven out of 10 times and sometimes by huge margins. And then from 1992 to 2020, we have won the popular vote one time in the last eight elections. And so we started acting like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, it's like, we don't have to appeal to new voters. We just, we just, you know, we just focus and concentrate on some key states and it'll all work out. Well, eventually, if you lose the popular vote by four or five points, those key states are mathematically most likely going to break for the majority of vote versus the minority. And which is what happened. And so it's like we have now we have new some new, some very talented new leaders, Christy Nome or Tim Scott, Nikki Haley and Marco Rubio, Ben Sass. It's time. It's time for us to go out and get new voters. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think the thing that I take away from this is the country is divided. It's very divided right now. And. When you push more and more authority to the federal level, you're forcing people that don't want the same rules and laws to live under the same rules and laws. For me, it's a perfect time for Republicans where you push more autonomy down mm-hmm. to the states wow. and to the counties and the cities. And it's like, look, if you live in Utah, do whatever you want. You know, we have, we have a monetary system. We have an, a trade system. We have a military. We have that at the federal level. The rest of it, we're going to push down to the states and we're going to let the states decide more and more and more what to do. 
the Democrats seem to be moving in exactly the opposite direction. So at a time when the, when the country is fracturing and Utah is becoming dramatically more different than Massachusetts, the Democrats are trying to force it under one umbrella. And I just don't see it working. I, th I think that's a great point. And I think that I think there'll be some very positive results for Republicans in two years because of that. And because I don't think their policies are, are, are sensible or will work. Um, so that's the end that's of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've left a lot on the table. People can come back next week. We'll be on right about 830 on Sunday morning again. This is Ali and Pacero. Steve, thank you for joining us My today. Pleasure. It's been, it's been yeah. great to have you. Thanks for listening. This has been Ali and Pacero with your hosts, Alan Ali and Jim Pacero. The podcast is produced by James Ball. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to alan at alanalley.com.